Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast following one of the most unlikely, satisfying and most famous wins of the Jurgen Klopp era. The Reds were 1-0 down and one man down after half an hour in Newcastle, but somehow walked away with all three points thanks to a stunning late double from substitute Darwin Nunes. Sparking some incredible scenes on the bench and among the travelling Reds. I'm Chris Smith and to talk this one through I've got Paul Natton, John Gallagher and an ecstatic TLW editor Dave Usher. Dave, come on, let's be real, this is your moment just as much as it is Darwin's. <laughs> So the floor is yours. Well, I'm not the kind of guy to say I told you so. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not. Yeah, right. I'm not. No. Yeah, right. I'm Very not. good. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Genuinely, I'm not. If I was the type of guy to say I told you so, then I would be saying right now, I fucking told you so. Because I did, <laughs> repeatedly. And I've been mocked for it. And I said, he's going to come good. He's, just, he's a peacock. You've got to let him fly. Eventually, we let him fly and look what happens. Look what happens. I mean, he's on the field for 15 minutes. The, the game was just basically like petering out. We were doing well to keep it at 1-0, but we were not really threatening. All of a sudden, he comes on, running in behind, causing havoc, two brilliant finishes, and just what what a win that is. I mean, I've gone from like being absolutely fucking fuming about things that had gone on in that game to being like, ah, fuck all that. It doesn't even matter now. I'm not asked about all that. Like, me boys just won it for us. Huh. So, yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon. Over the moon. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to call anyone out. They all know who they are. And, yeah, humble pie. Humble pie. Do you think there'll be much wow. humble pie being eaten, though? I don't know. From Jules, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, Jules will be sad. No, Jules, Jules no, will give credit where it's Jules. I'm, I'm not singling Jules out because a lot of it is no. just, just trying to wind me up. He doesn't, I don't think he means half the shit that he comes out with, to be fair. so I've been pretty bad at it lately as well. So uh, Again, no, I'm, I'm I feel like you're just to... trying to wind me up. I don't I don't feel like you mean <laughs> the stuff that you're saying. I've, I've been a fence sitter, to be fair. Like, and uh, Dave, you can't clash me amongst the chippy knobheads that you go on about all the time. No, there's only so. one chippy knobhead, to be fair. We all know who he is. One chippy no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, outside the chippy next week's going to be fun before Villa. <laughs> um, so, Paul, regarding Nunes, Klopp said after the game that each big story needs key moments. Do you think this could be the case with him? Oh, Chris, I mean, uh, honest to God, right, I, that's the maddest game I can remember in a long, 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 long time. Seriously, seriously. I mean, like I know this sounds melodramatic and over the top, but after that, after he got that equaliser, I, I mean, I never, I never scream at the telly. You know what I mean? Those days are long, long gone. Um, you know, go nuts at the match when actually at the game at Anfield. But what I'm watching on the telly, I'm normally not asked either. Well, you know, I'm asked, but I don't like celebrate um, audibly or, or you know, viscerally. I went absolutely nuts. And then I had this moment where I went a little bit dizzy and I thought, fuck it, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> oh, no. I, 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 love, I love the Reds, but they're not worth dying for. Um, that, that was such a mad game. It just, just so, so, so strange. And I think that's probably our best win. Apart from Barcelona, if you leave the Barcelona semi out. I, mean, I said that on the group chat straight after the game. And in fact, I think Klopp mentioned it and he's mentioned the same in his interview afterwards, I think he made the same comparison, but uh, that that was just incredible. And and to answer your question, mate, I, I just I, if we're not starting Darwin now, I just don't get it. Like I don't get it. 
you know, Dave talks about he's a peacock, he got to let him fly, and he's absolutely right. Those were incredible finishes. That mm-hmm. fir- fucking hell, that first goal was unbelievable. And you know the thing that's really done it for me is uh, he had that first sniff, didn't he? I mean, that, that first sniff was almost almost identically in the same position. The first one where he fluffed the touch and then the equaliser and then the winner were almost... They, they must have been within like sort of like a two-yard radius of... of uh, two-yard two yard radius circle of the same same place on the pitch. And with his terrible first touch for the first one, I thought, oh, dear... And then he just completely, it didn't bother him in the slightest. And that first goal, the, the equaliser was absolutely incredible. What a sensational finish. And the winner wasn't bad either. I, I, if, if we are not, I mean, I said it to, I can't remember if I said it on the last pod. Or I just said it in the group chat. But I, I, if, we're not, if, if we're not building this system around Darwin, what's the point? You know, you can't have your record transfer signing. Um and you're not trying to, and you're not creating something brand new, and trying to make him absolutely integral to the whole thing. And and the other thing as well is, is like take tactics, take um, know-how, take take clever thinking about the game. Yeah, there's a place, abs, an important place for all of it. But the bottom line is, sometimes it's about momentum, and sometimes it's about the man on the spot, and sometimes it's just about a run of form. And you cannot go. Out. He cannot go into another game off the back of that where he's come on where we were in the, the, the direst of circumstances and he scores two goals like that and you're not starting him next time. Mm-hmm. I, I just if that if he does not start next week, I don't know where we're going. My mind is absolutely blown. Like Dave, it send a terrible message if we didn't start him next. Terrible, week, like, terrible, Chris. Terrible. Like Dave, my I was absolutely fucking fuming in that first half. Like I, 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 I don't get like. I, I don't have like sustained anger about anything in life really I have like a momentary flare when I get angry it might last 20 seconds and then it's gone you just kind of like move on to the next thing I couldn't let me anger go there was so many things in the mix about Klopp about the recruitment about the setup about the system about Trent about Virgil about the referee about Honestly, I honestly I thought my head was going to pop and then you know we come out of it like this we, we've that's got it's got to mean something it's absolutely got to mean something. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, I mean, Johnny on the spot, I suppose, is the phrase. But, you know, it, it, fant- absolutely fantastic. What a moment for him. And we've got to build on it. Yeah. I had a similar moment um, with, with celebrating the winner as it went in. Because um, I, I, every once a month on a Sunday, I teach a yoga class at a brewery. And um, the game kicked off just as the class finished. So I've got one eye on it for the whole you know, the whole period and I'm caught up since I got in, but, um, I just sort of sent, spent like an hour chilling people out and concentrate on their breathing and slowing down and, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I'm having a pint with at the bar with everybody afterwards. And I'm just still kind of trying to keep that like chill yoga teacher vibe going on. And then Darwin busting out with that second and I'm up on the chair, just giving it like, giving it the absolute beat. Right. And, uh, right. nice my wife was there, Meg, she's there. Um, she was there at the class as well, and she she turns to the girl who sat next to her. And she goes like, "That's actually quite mild for him." So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. But um, John, yeah, um, 
We've spoken about the magnitude of the win. I think Jürgen said a couple of times in his interviews after the game that this is something that he's going to tell his grandson about as soon as his grandson's old enough to understand what football is. So it's clear to him. I, I think he intimated, I'm not sure if this is true, I, I, can't, I can't verify it or not, whether we've come from 1-0 down away from home with 10 men to win 2-1 before, but he seemed to think that we haven't. But where does this rank for you in terms of like top results in the last few years? considering the success we've had over recent years and you know we've had a lot of you know knife edge games if you like it's absolutely right up there um you know i was saying to the lads in the chat in the first half it feels like something might be coming to the end here with you know under the clock rain if you like you know everything there was like a disconnect with certain areas of the club transfer policy etc etc um and then Within an hour, I've just totally turned on my head and I'm saying we're going to win the league. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's just the, the beauty and emotion of football, though, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. You, you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, you know, but you'd be hard-pressed to ever find, like, a, you know, a win like that under the circumstances, everything that we had to endure. Um, but, you know, fair play to the players for sticking in there. Um and, you know, I don't want to give Klopp any credit for today, really, apart from bringing Darwin on, because, um, you know, it wasn't one of Klopp's better games, shall we say, in terms of in-game management, in my opinion. But, you know, we got the results at the end of the day. And when Darwin come on, and as Paul touched on, he fluffed that first touch, I thought, it's like the Chelsea game. He did the same against Chelsea a couple of, couple of Sundays ago. And then he had a great shot against Chelsea. It just went over the bar or wide of the post in the last minute, I remember. That's just what he is, mm. isn't it? He, he, you know, he's always involved. He, you know, he, he never lets things go to his head if he misses a chance. And, that. He, and you've got to admire that about him. Yeah. Um, you know, Yeah, you know, that's a mental strength. That's South American mental strength, isn't it? Kind yeah, of thing yeah. that the players have got that, you know, those players generally have. So, um, you know, absolutely buzzing. Two phenomenal finishes, as I say, especially after that first touch. And you're like, oh, no, not again. You know, it's going to be one of those, um, you know, games where it just doesn't happen for them. And, you know, he's just blew the game wide open. And uh, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the way I'm looking at it from the positive aspect now, I mean, we've got two of our toughest away games out the way with four points um, mm. and we're unbeaten. So, yeah. as I say, everything's right. knife edge, isn't it? Um, you know, we could have been sat in the end of a 2 or 3 nil defeat yeah. after 30, 40 minutes or whatever it was. But, yeah, absolutely amazing, amazing game. And, you know, hopefully, as Paul said, it's got to mean something now and um, we can move forwards with it. Hey, John. Do you know what those finishes reminded me of? Do you know what it was like watching? Go on. Suarez. Really? Suarez yeah. finishes Just the them. coldness of them kind just of thing, like yeah. smashed it right into the far corner. Yeah. Just pure Suarez Like an finishes. arrow. Yeah. Got that like, kind of arrow finish with the power and it's so precise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm totally with you, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Just need to see that more often. But on that note... Let's not forget, Suarez's first season, he missed a fucking shitload of chances and we were all saying, oh, isn't he great if only he could finish? And then that came and he was unstoppable. And the thing with Darwin, his, his track record was always like slow first season and then exploded. Yeah, and did you see the data on him the other day in terms of the, I think, the, the chances in the whole of Europe last season? He was number three in the whole of Europe. Is, is this And there was, on only, the, um, there was only Mbappe and Messi ahead of him, I think. This from like because oh, I was going to bring this up later the um the Redman TV video is it from that. Mm. 
Might be, yeah. Yeah, because they, they they did a piece on that, like, and yeah, I think it was, yeah. It was really good, but it was it was kind of just the stuff that we've been saying on here. Well, st- stuff that some of us have been saying on here, um, but with data to back it up, basically. Um, it was yeah. like I'd, I'd advise anyone to go and watch it. Like it was, um, yeah, it's really think good. Actually, the lad he was on, thing, yeah. the lad he was on was uh, I think he's distance covered on Twitter. I think, um, yeah, he spoke spoke a lot of a lot of sense, loads of good points. It's basically a twenty minute video, which is saying he's a peacock. You've got to let him fly, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> but just the things that we've been saying as well. But the interesting thing that that was in that, and I think we, it's worth talking about because it's it's something that you touched on there, Paul. And Klopp, after the game, when he was asked about Darwin, he didn't say it like exactly, but what he was saying just kind of backs it up again. He keeps talking about, we've got to build a team, we've got to get stability and all that. And the the lad on that video was saying, it's basically a case of he's got to get the rest of the team right before he can throw Darwin into it. Because if you throw him into it now, when everything else isn't right behind him, you know, like the stability of the team and... Because we all know like that what Darwin can do and what Darwin can't do, and too much emphasis is on what he can't do, and it's to do with like you know the the pressing and the coming short and like playing the false nine, all of that stuff. And this lad was basically saying, "You, we need someone who's going to do all of that stuff at the moment because the rest of the team is not functioning mm. the way we need it to." And but when that comes, that's when you 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 throw Darwin in there and. He's like the, the the finishing piece to the puzzle. You let him just do his thing, but until everything else is right behind him, that's why they're not putting him in. And Klopp did more or less say that after the game in a couple of different interviews I've seen him do. And I get that. You know, I understand that. I do. And there's certain games where I think, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. But I also think too much is being made of the stuff that he can't do and not enough yeah. is made of what, what he can. Like Honestly, that there today, what he's done there... Now, I don't really want to get into a Gakpo versus Nunez thing because it's apples and oranges. They're like totally different players. But Cody Gakpo's not doing that. You know, if if Cody Gakpo's up front, he's not scoring them goals. He's not doing that. He's got a I different don't think anyone skill is, set. Dave. No, Jot is not Mo. doing it either. Jot, Mo isn't. Mo has done it. You know, uh, it, no, he's not it, scoring them. He's not doing it as consistently as he did. But we have seen Mo just win games where, like, you know, he gets a couple of chances running through on goal and, and he scores. So yeah, I, I was thinking I more about the type that. of finish. I was talking about the type of finish rather than the ability to take chances. Yeah, I, I, Mo and his little floaty curlers straight at the goalkeepers, like, really yeah. starting to fucking bore me now. But, um, mm. but no, I wouldn't say Mo can't do that because Mo has done that. But like the situation that we were in. I mean, I thought Darwin should have been on a lot sooner, but I'm not gonna like quibble about that because I also think the game plan there. Like, we'll talk about the first half. We'll get to that because there's so much that needs to be like oh, spoken about. Man. But I don't really want to dwell on the negative at this point. I want to like focus on like the, the positive because mm-hmm. we're all still buzzing about what happened. The second half, we did exactly what you need to do in that situation. That was the perfect. 10 men performance in that situation yeah, against a good team away from home we played it perfectly which is the main thing is you cannot concede another goal so you've got to keep it tight keep it at 1-0 and just they'll get edgy the longer it goes because we've been in that situation where like you're up against 10 men and you don't kill them off and you get to like 10 minutes to go and you're like oh fucking hell because then they'll open up and have a go so we actually played that perfectly 
in the sense that we kept it we kept it to one nil, and it's not like we gave up loads of chances. They had a couple of moments, you know, out no, the post, but it wasn't like Allison made like loads of stunning saves, was it? You know, it was fairly. I think Apart we, from that one worldie, that, that was in the first half. Though, yeah. I'm, I'm Gosh, about, that was incredible. Yeah, but I'm talking about the second half. It's not like we were massively under the caution. Well, to be honest, I, I felt we kept the ball really well. Of the substitutions, I thought Harvey was absolutely brilliant. I thought so, uh, Soberslai when he when he kind of like sat a little bit deeper was absolutely brilliant. I just thought we 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 really there was a moment where it was like a bit surreal because I thought like you know we're down to ten men. I, th- I think this was still at one nil. I think they were still ahead at that stage. And we had like a little five minute period. Yeah, we did. Where we yeah. were actually like dominating the ball. Yeah, and, and about the, the hour mark, was right. Paul? Yeah. Say, the, say yeah. again, John, sorry. I thought it was around the hour mark, and I, I remember saying like, we're having a decent little spell here. We weren't creating anything, but, you, you know, we just like to silence the crowd, you know, the way they are up there, kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, we started getting on the ball. Um, the chances for Newcastle stopped coming, uh, you know, as the second half went on, really, apart from. Anthony Gordon, like with a odd, like dribble and run at, at Trent and that, so it was really, um, yeah, it's second half as Dave touched on. It was a perfect, like performance against uh, you know eleven v ten kind of thing. So, uh, but then yeah. you get it, like fifteen minutes to go, and then that's when you go right now. We're going for it. On you mm. go, Darwin, and so that's why I'm not going to quibble about it, whether he should have been on earlier because I think we had to keep, we had to stay in the game. There was no point us chasing the game too early. Because even if we'd have got a goal like with like half an hour to go, we may well have like conceded again. It's it, the main thing is keep it at one nil, and if you get chances to counter attack, maybe you'll get something. But you don't actually go flying at them until like the the closing stages of the game, which is what we did. We got to like fifteen minutes to go. On comes Darwin, and then all of a sudden we're getting chances because he's running in behind. People, you know, you mentioned about the chance that like that he had when he just had the bad touch. It's a bad touch in in in. I suppose it's a bad touch because it's not perfect, but that's not easy. You know, if he'd have taken that in his stride and leathered it in, yeah, that's we'd true. Have, we'd have all it was been quite saying, high in the air, wasn't it? Yeah, we'd have all been saying, "Oh my God, what a touch that was! That yeah, was incredible." That's, that was, that's well, fair, yeah. It wasn't yeah. incredible. It wasn't you know, it wasn't an incredible touch, but it wasn't that bad either. He controlled the ball, but he just didn't get it out in front of him. So I don't, th- and he'd only just come on at that point as well. So it's asking a lot for him to have like been able to knock that ball into his own stride and then like smashed it in. So I don't think that was a great chance. But what it did show was like the threat of him running in behind. And that was what we needed at that stage of the game. So a lot of criticism for Klopp for things in the first half. Second half, I think he's handled it pretty much exactly as you needed to in that situation and that's easy to say because we've won the game to be fair if we hadn't won the game all the focus would have been on the first half and like decisions that were made then but you know it's it's all turned out in the end and I do think the second half was perfect for that situation we did exactly what you've got to do in that situation to win the game and that's why it, it means so much and also because of who it was against, you know, fucking dickheads, right. Newcastle, fucking wanker fans, that knobhead assistant manager, which I'm sure everyone's seen the photos now of him, like, shushing Klopp, and then later no, on... No, 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 I've not. I've seen <laughs> Klopp, but I've not seen the manager. The, oh, yeah. That's just the manager fella. Klopp was doing that in response to him. He was shushing was Klopp in the first half. Yeah, there's a, a picture trick. of him, like, Klopp's trying to, like, talk to the fourth official, and he's in the background, like, shushing him. And then obviously you see the other picture later on after we've gone two one up and Klopp's like shushed them back, but th- th- there's no love lost there anyway because oh, Klopp had a, a little 
Klopp had a little dig at him like um, a couple of weeks ago in his press conference, which was quite funny. When he he was asked about like the new the new law about only one person's allowed in the technical area. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. And he, yeah. yeah, Klopp just said, "Well, there's only one team who's affected by that, isn't there?" And then and then like he paused and then he just went. Newcastle, <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as if people hadn't realised who he was on about. So clearly, like they know he's a dickhead. But mate, he threw a bottle at our bench last year. Remember? Yeah. So yeah, yeah fuck him. The fucking absolute fucking swat. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Fucking. And Eddie Howe now he's, he's lost his last eleven games against us against Klopp. So. Perfect. Oh, that's a league yeah. record. Somebody said. Did Terry say? Really? In the group chat? Somebody said in the group chat. It's a league record. Yeah. Eleven consecutive games. Gosh. In defeat. I mean, not even Moyes had a record like that against us. Yeah. Or even he didn't even have a record that bad against Man United either. So (laughs) he's even worse against them than he was against us. Must have been close, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, must have been. So, should we talk a little bit about the first half then? Um, John. It was we we started okay. We showed a, a good bit of intent, I think, from what I saw in the first five minutes or so. We had a good chance for Diaz a good save after after a great run through, and then it was just a disastrous sort of five to ten minute spell really with Trent sort of getting that early booking, and then perhaps you could argue lucky to stay on the field after having a little flail at Gordon, and then Gordon himself scores following that dreadful Trent error. And then Virgil gets himself sent off. So there's quite a lot to unpack there. Like, just tell us how you saw those major incidents. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Trent didn't get the free kick in the first place. It was just, it was just shove, ends off. I mean, you know, whatever Trent is afterwards, you know, you know, throwing the ball and that. You know, Gordon, like, clearly shoved him. Um, yeah. So fucking Myra Hindley looking prick that he is, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but anyway, that's... So it just seemed to, it just seemed to like unravel from there, didn't it? Um, you know, Trent said went clearly, um, and obviously it, it just unravels into other things going wrong. For, you know, for the rest of the half. Um, and, Do you think that you bad know, decision saved him from the red, John? The ref knew he should have booked Gordon. Definitely. Uh, when he booked Trent, and Absolutely, that's why he didn't yeah, go for the yeah, shove. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm staggered that he. That he, that wasn't a free kick, you know. He clearly shoves him. You know, Trent goes, it's unbelievable. You know, sliding into the into the um, you know, into the touchline and that. And it's like, how the hell has he give a like free kick there? Uh, but it just seemed to unsettle everyone then, because as Chris touched on, you know, we started relatively brightly. You know, we were popping the ball around. You know, players were getting on the ball. It was looking okay. Um, but yeah, Trent said clearly went, and you know, he was lucky. As I say, with the uh, the arm across Gordon's face, um, you, you know, but you know we got away with it in that respect, I suppose. But you know, the goal was just like was calamity, wasn't it? it? Was like I don't know. Surrendous. Mm-hmm. See, did Trent just lose concentration, or was it just down to his egg going? Clearly, I just don't know. His um, head gone completely because he was. He was he was just, just passing totally the gone. ball straight to them. His passing went completely. Mo just laid it back. It was just like an old, you know standard pass, you, wasn't it? But took John, do you know what? Do you know do you know when um, you, you know you've read all those bits about Trent when he was in the when he was in the academy and uh, Inglethorpe and I think I think Steve Highway worked with him a little bit as well when Steve Highway came back. I may have got that slightly wrong, but I, I, they worked on his temperament. Do you remember, like he was a proper narc. They, they talked about him being really, really narky, and his head would go. And they used to stand on the sideline and just shout abuse at him and call him out over stuff to try and get him used to dealing with, 
situations where his head would go. To me, you're saying Klopp like, is just shouting, calling him a twat <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> no, to me, it's like I, I, I get like a flashback to oh, he must have been then. Should have you kept know, your those... dreadlocks. That looks fucking <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it though, don't you think? You, you know, when he's under that real pressure like that, you can see how like his head just goes west, completely west. And everything goes, like everything about his game goes. The only thing I would say about Trent in those moments, and we have seen that over the last maybe season and a half, more times than any of us would want to or, or actually thought that we would from a player that talented, is that he, he has this capacity within a game to like turn it completely on its head. He's so talented and he's so um, able to kind of like get a grip on things that he can flip it the other way and even though I was screaming for him to get hooked I mean I think you and me, me Dave too, were having yeah. a competition in the group chat to see who wanted him off who wanted him hooked the most but like the one thing I did say as a little caveat to that was you can't bet against him turning it round completely and doing something like match you know not necessarily match winning that to those circumstances because I think we all thought the game was had got full and run away from us, but certainly doing something massively significant, maybe a you know a a, a, a sensational pass to get us a draw or something like that. He, he, he does have that in his locker, but you, I certainly get glimpses. I think that we get glimpses of the little boy that he used to be. That they try to knock that out of him when his head goes. He just he, it's the red mist, isn't it? And everything about his game and his thought process and his composure just goes out of the window. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So. Unfortunate that it's Gordon, the lad who gets the goal, because, well, for obvious reasons, I didn't know until today that we'd um, that we'd released him when he was a kid. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that either. Us. Yeah, same. So, I guess um, probably meant a little bit more to him and might explain why he's quite the knobhead that he is. But um, obviously, we it's it's not a good situation. One 0 down, crowds on our back, and then the red card, Dave. What did you make of that? Can you? Oh. I think I'd probably want it if it was for us, but it just it does it did feel harsh because Virg did take the yeah. ball. He just kind of went through Isak's legs to get to the ball, and mm. I don't know. They were running level side by side, but he'd kind of turned him, so he probably was going to be in on goal. So I I don't know if I if I'm picking yeah. my battles, I'm not appealing that one. No, I I don't think it was a red card, but it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Like last week, you know, McAllister won. That was like a hundred percent not a red card, disgusting decision, rightly overturned. This one, it's like you you could send him off for it, or you could give him a yellow card. It's like it's just at the referee's discretion. Um, I think it just looking at it and, and without going into like letter of the law and all of that stuff, just looking at the incident and saying, do you think that's a red card or not? I'd be like, no, that's really harsh if that's a red card. Oh, I, I but disagree. then, well, no, but like you, you can you can then make the case. Well, he's the last man, and and this, that, and that. I'm just talking purely like visually watching that. If like if you show me that and say what do you think happens there, do you think it's a red card or a yellow card? I would say that's going to be a yellow card more often. I'd than see not. me ask if that was us. If the boot was well, on the other foot, of course because I'm fucking I'd biased. Fully, but like that's fully not point. Fu- <laughs> I'd fully see me ask. I think that was a, re- a clear goal scoring. I don't even know he, if he it's in. if it's he that much past, of a foul. He was past him. I don't even he's see like the, him. he's gone right through him, Dave. He's he's barely touched him and he's, and he's played the ball. So technically, you can argue to foul. I'm getting into an argument here, and I don't want to because I don't feel that strongly about it. Yeah, but like, it, does, I, it doesn't really matter now, does it? I don't but, think. I think it's harsh, but it's one that you can definitely give, and it's not one I'd be appealing because you, there's no way you're going to win that appeal. Um, the bigger issue, really, 
that's not a tackle that Virgil makes two years ago. You know, so that that's the concern, like that the fact yeah. that he's he's had a nibble there, he wouldn't normally do that. And well, that's that's where my head was starting to go completely, isn't it? Because he's just that, not what you know, he was. That's where I was. That, that's the point where my head was ready to absolutely pop because then that stage I'm like, because you know I've been saying, well, back into last season I was saying he needs pressure on his place, and you know, and that, this point we still haven't signed a defender in this window, and that's where I'm thinking, for fuck's sake, this kind of lackadaisical shite that we've seen from him for the last eighteen months. Yes, I fully accept he's had potentially a career, a career, well, certainly a career altering injury, if not what a career. End an injury. It could certainly ten years ago would have been a career-ending injury. That one. It's definitely altered his career, and I'm hugely sympathetic to all of that. But bottom line is, we're Liverpool. We need to win, and I, he needs pressure on his place because I'm sick and tired of all that lackadaisical shit that we see from him. You know, he's got to raise his game. He's the captain now as well. He's got to be better. He's got to be more focused. He's got to impose himself more physically. If the pace has gone a little bit, he's still got the strength. He's still got the brain. He's still got the touch. All of those things still emphatically work, but he needs something to focus him mentally. And if that means that we have to spend 50, 60, 70 million pounds on a sensational backup, then we should do that. Um, and that's without getting into the arguments about is Robbo suited to the new system and do we need like a hybrid fullback centre half who's left footed to play there? I just think Virgil needs pressure on his place. He is too comfortable and that was pissing me off so much after that red card because to me that's all in the mix he, he just he, he this whole i'm the man shite that we get from him yeah you can be the man when you're absolutely sensational but when if you're you not are abs- the man, absolutely yeah. sensational you're not the man I'm, I'm sorry you've got to be the man every fucking week every week oh. and you're not at the moment so oh, step can I just it ask up. You to... just go on my turn like just let me like clarify what you mean by that I'm the man in in relation to that tackle. Like, what was it about? No, that it's more general, Chris. Was... It's more general. I'm bringing yeah. a load of things into the mix there. So I'm talking okay. about. It's not specifically focused on that tackle. It's focused. But on... you thought it was. I mean, I think. I think if we was... go. I think if we go back, I think Virgil would. If you go back three years, Virgil there would have backed his strength. He'd have just shielded the ball. He'd have got there before him. Mm. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have been so rash in terms of move, in terms of putting his foot in. He'd have okay. just. Do you remember the way he used to ease? He just used to ease. He just used to ease forwards off the ball. He'd have done yeah. that. And I still think he's got that in his locker. What I think is he's making the wrong choices. Well, he was slow getting there though. He reacted. Yeah, slow. he was slow so getting there. But by he, that and point, it was only it was only half a yard, and, and he. Uh, so, I'm not sure. But he's no, sure. at that point he couldn't have done what what like we've seen him do before. But what he should be doing is just jockeying him, not That's, not yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to ease the, him off the ball. The, he just my, has my to, issue is the rashness. Is the rashness of, of making the challenge? He didn't need to make the challenge. Yeah. Another thing as well, he's become like he's more exposed now, isn't he? Um, you know, if you think about it, two three years ago when we were in our pump and we had that midfield, you know, the the workhorse midfield, yeah, if you true. like, um, you know, there'd be only maybe a couple of times a game when he'd have to do that. You could argue, but it's become a more commonplace now as well. So is that got, is that a factor to it? Where you know, obviously last year, last year we had the problems we had in midfield on players' legs going, etc. Um, so maybe he was more exposed to these situations and it highlighted it more, if you like. Um, and today, obviously, we've got a new look midfield the way we've got it now, three new players in there. Um, and there is maybe little instances where, you know, with them being more exposed, these, more, these rash decisions are looking like more... That's, you know, that's true, John. That is true, but at the same time, the Van Dyke of three years ago, 
you could expose them like that as many times as you wanted and it wouldn't matter he would have just dealt with it so getting this van dyke exposed to situations is causing problems but those those problems wouldn't have been there before because it just didn't happen nobody got the again better of him but ever. wasn't that down to the setup of well, the no, team he still, and the he still aggression. had to deal with situations and he always dealt with them he may he not have had to deal with as many as he's having to deal with now, but he still dealt with them. Whether that's over 10 games or two games, he might have the same amount of situations now yeah. in two games rather than 10. But over the 10 games, he didn't, you know, he just dealt with everything that he had to deal with. And nobody, was, got, the, nobody got the better of him, did they, really? You know, no, you, ever. It was very rare no, that no you one. saw people get the better of him. Yeah, people and now it happens once a week. False claims of getting the better of him, like Arsenal fans, like creaming themselves over that Nicolas Pepe running down the line. Never actually went past Virgil. Virgil was like happy to let him just stay where he was. And they were like, oh, Virgil van Dijk's never been beaten. Well, he has now. I'm like, uh, no. But the fact that you're even thinking that this is some big accomplishment shows you just how good Virgil is. But, you know, it happens too often now, really. Um, that, what, what did you make of his reaction afterwards? Because like, I thought he was going to get himself in trouble with the ref. And well over the top. The fourth well, official, I I... did you see him saying, get your hands off me, don't yeah. touch me? Indicative, indicative to me of the fact that in his head it's at the and the man bullshit. Mm. In his head, he's still a player that his body isn't. And I, listen, that's okay, that's understandable. But you know, wake up. You've got to recognise now that you're 32 years old. You've had a horrific injury, and you've got to adapt your game. He could have ah, at least three more years at the top, if not five. He's that good, he's that clever, his touch is that good, he's so strong, but he's got to adapt his game, like all the greats do, all the greats at centre-half, they get that longevity because they use their experience to make up for what they lose physically. Thiago and Silva. He's, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's, but he, if he doesn't recognise that he's not who he was two or three years ago, the fellow pre-injury, and he's got to concentrate and focus and be a different, become a different player, then that won't happen. And that, to me, is in some sense, the way he reacted afterwards made me even more angry. That, to me, was in completely indicative of what the issue is, that he's not being honest with himself. He's, there's a little bit of delusion there. And, you know, maybe that's what goes along with being a world-class talent when your body starts to let you down. But, you know, if he's, and he is, if, if he's, if he's the man of the think he is, and he's not thick, you can see in terms of football, in terms of his football and ability, the way he reads a game, he's got a brain on him. He'll start to look inwards and start to be a little bit honest with himself. But maybe he needs somebody around him to have that conversation. And maybe Klopp needs to have that conversation with him. But I see no reason why if he doesn't embrace the idea that his body is changing, that he can't continue to be great. But I think he's the sort of guy who, you know, and it's, it's, maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but he's got that Dutch ego on him. The Dutch players, like, traditionally have this huge sense of self. They all fall out with each other about who's better than who and all the rest of it. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I think what he really needs is he needs pressure on his place. And I think that, I felt it, I said it, I said it going on a year ago, and I feel it even more strongly now. He needs pressure on his place. That's not to say I want him out of the team. I just think he needs to feel somebody breathing right down the back of his neck. I, just to, I want a quick point here. Uh, I think we have to say Joe Gomez was really fucking good when he came on. Yeah. I, yes, thought he was. He, I thought he did a great job, yeah. and presumably he'll start the game that Virgil suspended for like next week. Um, it's a chance for him. It's a chance for Gomez to 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 stake a claim, because we know what, what he's capable of. We've seen him do it in the past, but you know his problems always been 
stupid mistakes, just switching off, you know, not not concentrating. But like, I thought he was great today. I thought he was. Dave, I thought yeah. I thought Quanza was as well. That blew me mind when he came on. He did I well. Yeah. He played really well. He but did. what we mustn't have is any bullshit about. No. We don't need another centre half no. now. We do. We need a left-footed player now to come in. Don't be window. don't be talking about Quanta as as like a, a viable option. Play him in the Europa League. I'm more yeah. than happy. Let him let him like get a bit of experience in those games and domestic cups. Do not be telling me like that he's he's a viable option and we don't need to sign a defender because that's just blatantly not true. Uh, Dave, I'll get the uh, sorry, John. Go ahead. Sorry, Chris. Uh, I will obviously get the credit, but Paul touched on it earlier about Harvey. He just added that little bit of composure. When he come on, a bit of uh, quality, you know, a bit of know-how for such a young player. Still, what, what is he, 21, is he? 20. No, he's 20. He's not bad, uh, um, yeah, he's 20, yeah. So, but yeah, he, you know, he just started to get us on the ball a bit more, didn't he? And, um, it, you know, things, little things started happening when Harvey came on as well, you know, as well as Darwin, obviously, with the two goals. But really impressed with, with his... Um, just with his intelligence and his maturity. Absolutely outstanding yeah, maturity, at all when he came on. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Agree. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary, and access to the members-only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Dave, before we move on, can we just come back to Quanser a little bit then? Because this will this will be the first time. A lot of people had seen him play today, or in you know maybe even heard of the kid. So tell us a bit about what you know about him. Um, I'm not, I don't know loads. I've seen him like in the under 18s a fair few times, and he he looked. See, we've had these centre halves who like have been built up. Like I, I never got the whole hype about that Billy Cometio. I just didn't see it. I felt like he just had like too many mistakes in him. Um, Reese Williams was a really good youth player. Like. But just lacking a little bit of pace, and Quonset looked really good in the under 18s, and then he, he didn't like last year. He went out on loan to Bristol Rovers, so obviously I didn't see anything of him there. But he got rave reviews. I think I think it was Bristol Rovers. Joey Barton was his manager there, and he kept going on about like what a good player he was, and that. So he's one of the few that had like a a loan spell that actually did him a lot of good. You know, he, he played. He grew as a player and that, and he come back and he did really well in pre-season. Now, how much stock you want to put in pre-season performances? I mean, that, that's we, we've been burned before with players who've looked good in pre-season. But he came in and he didn't look out of place. He's got all the physical tools, like he, you know, mm-hmm. he's um, he, he looks like he's six foot four or something like that. He's a big lad, but he's quick as well, and he's a good footballer. But the problem is, he's like he's twenty, and centre backs, you know, you don't you just don't get that many. Centre backs of that age playing regularly, so he's he's got to learn. He's got a like couple of years. Um, who knows where he'll be? And and I'm more than down with him playing in Europa League games and having like the occasional appearance here and there. And he looks like he might have a chance. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of potential there, yeah. but we can't be relying on him this season. You know, we we've we've got to be buying 
a really good defender in this window. It's, left footed. Yeah. Left -footed. Ideally, yeah. Or somebody who's at least comfortable playing on that side. I'd prefer left footed, yeah. But we've we've got to get somebody else in because we're short on numbers. We can't really rely on, on Matip. We you know, we've seen like the fitness problems that he's had. That's not gonna get better as he gets older. Um Canate's another one like who's susceptible to muscle injuries. I mean this isn't particularly bad, but like Klopp said like he's got a slight muscle thing and it was because he had to play we had to play with 10 men last week he went that extra t 20 minutes we had when we're down to 10 men that's the reason why Canate can't play I'm like that's a bit of a red flag you know he's mm. a centre back it's not like he's having to do like loads of running like the midfield players so you, you, there, there are question marks over the fitness of Matip definitely Gomez has had injury problems the only thing with Gomez is I, I do feel like his injuries are just bad luck it's like he gets an injury and it's one injury that keeps him out for a while it's not like he's constantly getting little injuries so I not do feel bad either, for yeah I do feel bad for Gomez because like his injury will be like he's blown a knee out or he's broken an ankle or something like that you, yeah. you can't legislate for that Matip's constantly like muscle injuries that keep him out. He had to come off today because Klopp said he looked knackered. So again, that's not great. Like, but again, he's he's knackered because that that position in the team you're having to do two fucking jobs. So that's why like it's putting too much strain you know on Canate and Matip. You say that, and that just makes that just sends me back into this fucking rage I was getting today about the composition of the squad in this transfer window. You know, yeah. we've got to, we're moving towards this new system. We've got our players who can play it. Yeah. It's just fucking ridiculous that we're not moving on players who can't. Yeah, we're very, very grateful for what Joel's done for us, and we love him, and he's got, you know, he's going to be a hero forever for, for Liverpool fans. But if your time's done, your time's done. We need players who can come in and play. And yes, I absolutely love Canate. I think he's brilliant. But if your body isn't robust enough to be playing every week, we need someone at the very least who's breathing down your neck. Yeah. Those are the levels now. Those are the levels in the Premier League. And that should be the levels for us. And it just feels like we're full of excuses at the moment. And, and the, the money's there and we need to be getting some of these players signed. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's annoying as well because we wasted the whole summer on that wild goose chase that was signing the lad from Chelsea which was never going to happen in a month of Sundays yeah. like we were never getting him I'm not sure what they were thinking that that was even a, a, a possibility might he have used it's, it's probably like Ibiza George just getting strung along by an agent again Yeah, like his agent using us to get a better deal with Chelsea or whatever and it's just like we just wasted so much time and it's frustrating now because the window closes in four days, and we don't—we're not being linked to anybody, are we? Really? Like, no. I, there are no real serious links to suggest that we are going to sign a defender. No. Yeah. No. And if we do, it's probably going to be a, you know, a Quebec-like situation oh, where we God. just get some jabron on loan again. <laughs> oh. Only the only good thing he has, he has was a song. I remember that was it. Oh yeah. You buzzed off yeah, that song. Yeah. The, the Tetris one. <laughs> See, this is what we need, Dan, because Dan doesn't we give do a fuck. Need Dan he embarrass give himself. Dan will just do it. Dan's got no shame. I know what I'll do. Yo, Anka Bakani plays and Bakani plays and back for Liverpool. La 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 la. What about Ozan Kabak? Who's Johan Kabak? I want to say, say Johan. Who's Johan Kabak? Johan Kabak. Dutch half-brother. He played for Newcastle. Yeah. Was it, was it um, what's Joe his name? Kinnear. Joe Kinnear called him Kebab. Kebab, Kebab. Yeah. Kebab. 
Charles Insomnia for Charles yeah. and Zogbia. Fucking hell. Oh, I much preferred Newcastle back then in the yeah. Dennis Wise and, and Joe Kinnear days. And we Cockney just Mafia. Oh, well, we can laugh at them today anyway. Yeah, we certainly is, can. You know, we've, we, we keep being able to laugh at them. Um, so that's a good thing. Anyway, so we get to... You think you're thinking the worst, aren't you? At sort of ten men, one nil, the crowd are up, and you're just thinking we're just going to get an absolute pasting here, and we might well have done if not um, Paul for that like miraculous save from Allison from the armor on volley. Like that's that ball's hit with such force, and it's almost behind him when he claws it out. It's just absolutely stunning save. I mean, I I I, I said in the group chat, Chris. Is it the best best save we've seen this century? And I only said that really because I can't really think of anything beforehand. But I'm assuming there maybe was back in Clem's days or whatever, or um, or you know that 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 era. That was last. And century. then John John, John <laughs> yeah John John came back with um, John came back with with Jerty. But I I I think Jerty, the one at Jerty, amazing save that it was was straight at straight at him. I, I honestly I think it was one of the it's one of the best thing, saves I've ever seen. It was absolutely incredible. It's the it's the strength in his arms and his wrists, you know. It was it was there was so much power, as you said, in the ball. Um, it's almost like it needed both hands to keep it out, didn't it? Did he? T- I think he took it. He took the sting out of it with one hand and then knocked it away with the other. Is that right? I've not seen it back since. I've only got, kind of got, got like this memory of seeing it the one time. It was, um, but either way, it was just he just had no right to save it, and it absolutely kept us in the game. Um, he, he's just incredible. He's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen for us by a mile. He's yep. just sensational. By a mile, the best <clears> keeper we've had. Best and I've seen see for Clemens. anyone, not just for us. Yeah, yeah. I, um, he's getting. I mean, I suppose Better different years. It's hard to yeah. compare. You know, Michael and and, uh, and uh, Neville Southall. Neville Southall you know, was great. Yeah, I mean, those those are to me those are the two benchmarks. But he's absolutely in the conversation. It's a different era of goalkeeper now, isn't it? To both of those, even yeah. though Schmeichel wasn't that long ago. But certainly, I've never seen anyone better for us, and he's he's in the conversation with anyone I've ever seen. He's incredible, absolutely incredible. Just everything about him is just—it's a bit mind blowing, really, how good he is. I I was just, I thought at that stage. I think I said it in the chat. We are so lucky to have him. Because I tell you what, could have been a rout if that had gone in. We were in all kinds of trouble. We, we could be talking like a serious humiliation where your season's gone off the rails, like in the third yeah. game. It, it, it was it was that bad the position that we were in. So it was an incredible save. So so important. It's one of them where you come after the result. You come out of that game with that result. Darwin's two incredible goals. You know the amazing finish. It'd be very easy to forget how important Allison's save was. You know without that save, that was an entirely different game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Dave, you mentioned that you think he's the best goalie you've ever seen for anybody. But what about your mate? Uh, about your mate Pete Shilton? Is he in the conversation? Oh, yeah. I'll concrete boot Shilts. Diego's mate. What a yeah. twat! What an absolute. Still twat one of my proudest was. moments having him block me on Twitter, Peter Shilton. <laughs> it's staggering that I never got blocked by him. Yeah. Let me tell you how he blocked me. What, what I said. Do? You know that um, gif of Maradona where he's like giving the V's down like in a World Cup a few yeah. years ago? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I put like, uh, hey, Schiltz, Diego sends his love from heaven to you. And I'm like looking down, giving him the V's. <laughs> and, and he blocked uh, you yeah, for that? He blocked me, yeah, the precious twat. I've How called precious him is way that? worse than that and got away with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you actually blocked me for that, yeah. Pretty hard. And Kaylee has a whopper. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so we we do make it into half-time, and at that I, point... I, I want to talk about Klopp not subbing Trent, because... Yeah, go on, then. That, that was, like... The yeah, second, like the, the second Trent got away with with like the the referee basically shit himself because he knew he he probably shouldn't have booked him the first time and it, it takes like it's a, it really mean really controversial to have given him a second yellow and sent him off even though it it probably was a yellow card normally you'd get a yellow for that but as soon as that happened to me you've got to take him off and the reason it regardless of how it went afterwards where his head had gone and he was passing it straight to their players he gave a goal away even before all that happened I'd be subbing him anyway because he's playing okay it's this hybrid role but he's still having to play right back against Anthony Gordon who's like the biggest diver in the league apart from Richarlison Mm. so he's got to get through 86 minutes where if he commits one more foul because it it wouldn't even have to be a bad foul as soon as he commits another foul he's gone so you're looking at that and going, okay, 86 minutes against like Anthony Gordon, who's going to be running at him and diving at every opportunity. How are you going to get through that game like without a yellow card? Now, okay, he did get through without that, but also he could not make a tackle. So you can get through the game by just not making any tackles, but is that really what you want? You, you want to have like a situation where like you can't make a tackle? And let's not forget, on the goal... Trent grabs him yeah. by the shirt and tries to pull yeah. him back. Now, if Gordon goes down there, Trent's off. Now, they don't score, so there's that. But Trent would have been off then because even after he'd had that warning, he still grabbed hold of his shirt and tried to pull him back. So you've got like the mistake for the goal, just the erratic passing because his head's clearly gone, and Klopp did not sub him. And I was going absolutely berserk about it. So was Paul. Mm. Stu mm. was saying, no, you've got to keep him on because he's your vice-captain, so you've got to... like. Make a statement here and and say you're the vice captain. This is up to you to you know deal with this situation. And I get that. You know I understand like the the reasoning behind that. But I just don't like the idea that you're keeping a player on in a position like a vulnerable position where he's going to get exposed because he's having to defend against like a quick winger, and he can't make a tackle. He's got no room for error. And a couple of times in the the second half, at the start of the second half, Gordon just like waltzed past him. It was also yeah. I think it was. Might have been Joe Linton went out on that side and he just went past him. And it's because Trent can't do anything. He cannot make any challenge. So I would have took him off and I was absolutely fuming that he didn't take him off. Then the goal goes in. Um, So that's down to Trent as well. So I'm pissed off there because like he shouldn't even be on the pitch because he should have been subbed. He stayed on the pitch, he's given a goal away, so I'm pissed off about that. Then Van Dijk gets sent off. And I'm like, okay, now you've got to take off Trent. And he takes off Diaz, and I'm like, Diaz is like, he's not somebody who you see as like, oh, well, we're down to 10 men, he might be a bit of a passenger. Diaz fucking works his arse off. Yeah. So it's and not, he's an outlet for you as well. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not. He'll carry ball, the yeah, fight yeah. to them. He'll carry. He'll get the ball and he'll run at people. He's, he's, got, he's quick. He'll take people on. He's the outlet that you want. If you haven't got Darwin on the pitch, that's the outlet ball. So we took him off. Why are you leaving Gakpo on? What's Gakpo going to do in that situation? You know, I just I didn't see like that. That totally blew my mind that we took Diaz off. But what you could have done was you could have dropped Gakpo into midfield, move McAllister back, put Endo in into the back four, either at right back mm-hmm. or centre back, and put Joe Gomez on. And that to me was like just the obvious thing to do. Now, 
Klopp didn't do that, and it's turned out for the best in the end. We've won the game. I thought Trent in the second half, you know, he cleared his head. He he did exactly what we needed him to do. I don't hold it against him that he that people were running past him because what's he supposed to do? He can't he can't dive in, try to make a challenge. He can't like you know get close, use his body because as soon as somebody hits the deck, he's off. So he's basically not able to to do any defending at all, other than just be out there. He can't get tight to anyone. So. It, to me, we've got away with that. The right decision would have been to have just got Trent off straight away as soon as that happened. And I couldn't believe that we left him out there, vice captain or not. You know, it, to me, that was like, that was staggering. I couldn't believe that Klopp did that. Do you not think as well, Dave? It's, uh, I, I agree with every word of what you just said there. Leave the results to one side. Are we still not left with questions about the system and how we defend? Absolutely. You know, I I, ju- yeah. I just really feel, and and I you know, and I say I say again, I think I said it on the last part or which at the last time I was on, um, Klopp has repeatedly done things which are counterintuitive, where we all had to suspend our disbelief. Mm. I think I can't remember this fan base suspending their disbelief collectively more than everyone is doing for this system at the moment, and I don't rule out that it'll come good. You know, and I think you'd be a fool to bet against Klopp. Because he's done it so many times, but I have to say, I, I, I just we need to see multiple improvements from lots of different players for this to be much much tighter than it is. You know, I think yeah. the other thing that was worrying me, you know, he was about all the pressure that was on uh, Trent and the way he was defending, he couldn't make tackles. I don't think he can escape the narrative that's in his head, which has been in the media for the last eighteen months. Trent can't defend. Trent doesn't get picked at right back for England. Uh, Trent is Trent is a liability for Liverpool. All of that was playing in his head. There's no doubt in my mind. And he might have been angry about it. He might have been thinking, "Fuck all of you. That's not me. I'm better than that." But the bottom line is, is that the narrative was in his mind rather than focusing on his game. I think all of that is there. It's all in the mix because as a human being, I don't know how you avoid all that. Yeah. The one thing I would say about Trent, I said it earlier on, is he's always had this capacity after he's made a mistake or he's been under pressure to come back, rise above it and in fact impose himself the other way. Um, and, I, and I think second half he was he was sensational really. I thought he really, really put the first half behind him. But I'm with you, Dave, all the way. Result notwithstanding, I, I it's still mad to me that he was left on the pitch. Yeah. At that moment in time, I thought we were staring down the barrel of an absolute humiliation. And if it wasn't for Alisson, it would have been. John, I thought it was interesting that um, in the, after the game, Jurgen said that they got in at half time, and there was a sense among the staff and among the players that there was something there for them today. Like uh, the evidence, perhaps wasn't there in the first half, but there's obviously something there that gave them some belief that they could still get something from the game. It, it, it certainly wasn't an attitude of let's just try and keep the score down. Um, I, th- um, I think over the past few months, certainly in last season, we've questioned on the pod a few times just whether Jurgen has the ability to keep, like, make those half-time adjustments that see us transform our performances that were so synonymous when we, you know, early in this era where we had rough patches and rough halves, and we'd come out in the second half and we'd 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 tweak and we'd fix what was going wrong, and then it would look great thereafter. It wasn't exactly the case today, but it was it was just really interesting to me that they thought that there was something in the game for them today given what transpired in that first 45 minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that it was only 1-0, as Paul touched on, to save from Alisson, because that goes in 2-0, you know, you're disheartened going, I don't know how long before half-time that save was, off the top of my head, I can't think, but 
Um, and I was definitely 1 0 at the time, possibly 2 0. So you get in at half time, it's 1 0. Um, and as Dave said earlier, it was just about staying in the game, um, you know, just keeping it 1 0, which we did do. Um, and if that was the, if that was the case with 15 minutes ago, you, you know, that's when you throw Darwin in and it worked. Um, but as I said, the composure from Harvey when he came on, it was just little things like that created the bigger picture, which ultimately led to the win. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Newcastle had a bit of bluster about them, you know, a couple of runs down that side from Gordon again. Um, and he hit the post on that when it was 1-0. Was it 1-0 when uh, Almer on hit the post as well? Yeah, yeah I think so. So little things like that go your way. And, and you're hanging in there 1-0. And then you start getting on the ball a bit, which we did do. Um, and the tempo seemed to go out in Newcastle. I don't know wh whether that was like design or wh whatever it was. You know, they didn't kill us off. And, uh, you know, 1-0 is a dangerous scoreline, as they say. You know, as you it probably takes got one tired after all the fouls they committed, John. Well, yeah, that's it. It's like, you know, all the high-octane, like, style of football that they've got up there nowadays. It's like, you know, everything's like a big occasion up there. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know if us going down to 10 men, like, suited them in a way. It's like, you know, because the pressure was on them then to... They kill us off, which they didn't do. You know, there was no pressure on us, basically. Uh, you know, if we'd have got out of there today with a 1-0 defeat, obviously you're gutted and that, but it's like, well, all right, it's in the grand scheme of things, considering what happened in the first half and how um, shambolic it was, if you like. You know, the second half was a lot more controlled in a lot of aspects. Um, John, did so you, you look see at it from that beheady house said afterwards? No. He said the sending off hurt them, it, like it, it didn't help them at all, like us going down to 10. And in the next breath, he was complaining that Trent wasn't sent off. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what, boys? Just on, just on this point about them and, and how they handled it, I think both clubs are quite emotional clubs in the sense of how the fan bases are. But I think, I'm, I'm, I'm not even quite sure where I'm going with this, but I think there's a sense that we're more, we can be emotional but our heads are in the game at the same time. And I think they're a club whereby when they're emotional, they just lose it completely. And I think they get overexcited easily. Uh, and they don't recognise the moments in games that I think we do as a club. And I, I think they're on a little bit of a roller coaster that they're not quite riding it. They're not quite riding the roller coaster um, as. Uh, with as much control as they think they've got, and I, th I think moments like that, games like that, can, can well clearly it was too much for them today. Certainly, think when it went to one-one, at that stage, then I think they were emotionally, you know, the players, the management, but particularly the fans were all over the place. Well, I just think we've been down the road so many times in big, big games with big, big emotional moments. That that we're we're more realistic about what may happen, what may not happen, and I, I I don't know if that's making sense, lads, but I just I get the sense with them that they're kind of like that you know they go over the top about they go over the top at the drop of a hat. You're saying the thickest fuck basically, and yeah. I, I think I am I really, agree. Dave. Yeah, I think I am really. Yeah, I think right. that is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I just think they, they they lose it, they lose it at the drop of a hat, and sometimes that doesn't help them. Uh, it doesn't help the players. You know, I think when we are when we're emotional as a crowd, it helps our players. And I don't think it necessarily yeah. helps theirs. Um, I think they can get too excited too soon. If that makes sense. You look at the game. Sorry, John, go ahead. So last season, I was St. James's when uh, Pope got sent off after what was it like 15 minutes or something, and we, we were 2 0 up. Yeah. 
So it was like a flip side of that, really, because there was no pressure on them after that. You know, we're 2-0 up, we've got 11 men, they've got 10, but they fucking battered us then for the, like the next 70 minutes, I remember, yeah. we couldn't get out and, you know, it was a bit different today, whereas the pressure was on them because they had the man advantage and as you've touched on Paul, he didn't know how to, how to deal with it, you know, the like emotional, you know, the early in the journey, if you like, in that respect. Um, you know the way they are at the moment but last year you know the pressure was on us you know we were the ones with 11 men they had 10 and we, you know we didn't I don't think we created a chance after we went to 2-0 up last season if I remember rightly so nothing concrete but um you know it was a bit of points yeah that was it you know but we had the man advantage but today they did and they didn't know how to handle it you know, and obviously they didn't see it out like we did last year, so it's like a, like a flip side of it, if you know what I mean. When it got to 1-1, I, I, I'm not saying I knew we were going to win, but I thought we're more likely to win this now, 10 mm, men yeah. or not. It got to 1-1, I, I thought that their race is run, and the question now is, can we get the second goal? And then obviously we did, but um, yeah, after, after like we got the equaliser, they were never going to score. And I'll tell Do you what, like, Mo's pass... Mate. For Darwin's oh, yeah. goal as well. Oh, sensational pass. Out, uh, like he gets a lot of stick off Monty and that, but just those cold, calculating moments kind of thing when he'll just pick the right way to pass. The weight of it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely stunning pass it was. And the side he played it as well. He played yeah. it inside so Darwin could run onto it and didn't even have to break stride. It was just perfect for him. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was an exquisite pass. Do you not think Newcastle, I think... They had they had, they had that warning with the with the one that Darwin couldn't control. Then the one that went through that he scored, and then the one the second one that he scored. And it seemed like each time they were a little higher and they gave him a little bit more room and space. It's like I think you're dealing with, as Paul says, like a team that's quite early in its cycle and its journey, and they've not got that tactical astuteness that perhaps they require at this stage because we basically just did the same thing to them three times and scored twice from it in almost identical situations and they did nothing to alter what they were doing they probably weren't planning for that because Darwin didn't start the game but like they'd cope pretty well up until that point yeah. Um, but yeah suddenly it's a yep. totally different dynamic like the ball in behind which we didn't really have up to that point the other thing though as well is you know to quote loathe as I am to quote Dave but I had the Tiger and Darwin <laughs> added today didn't he mm -hmm. you know what I mean I think sometimes Sometimes, no matter what you want to do, a player has just got it, hasn't he? And he had it today. He really, really, really had it today. Those finishes were as good as anything you'll see this season. The you joy know, on I, his I, face I just, as well. The movement, though. You know, the, the movement, the reading of the line, the timing of the run, the awareness of where the pass is coming, all of it, like, the whole package was there in those two goals. Um, and, and I think sometimes... Um, doesn't really matter who you're facing. If a player is playing in that way at that level where it's all coming together for them, doesn't you just can't do anything about it. I had the tiger. Did you think that Darwin looked a little bit surprised when the, the first one hit the net? He did like a little, oh, that one actually went in. Like it, it, it kind of no, seemed to startle him before he went <laughs> <laughs> I just watch it again. I think there's a slight moment where he's like, oh, fuck. And then he goes off on a celebration. But take nothing away from it at all. They're both incredible finishes. And the scenes on the bench afterwards were just absolutely magic. 
Like yeah. Besetic and Kostas and Ben Doke yeah, going absolutely nuts. And it's I don't know as well the on the on the uh, far touchline as well. Just that, like when he like shouts up to the oh, crowd yeah. and the gods. Oh, that things. was brilliant. Yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah, but that was obviously just a release of like uh, emotion because of what he'd suffered through the game. And yeah. oh, I love all yeah. that. Absolutely <clears throat> amazing. Great to see. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And even to see Jurgen in the interview after the game, Dave, you sent it to me before we, we came on air. It's just killing a little time. And as you said, he's much more relaxed when he speaks to the the club site because you know, obviously he's he's not expecting any curveballs or anything. Yeah. And nobody's pushing any agenda on him or whatever. He's, he's much more relaxed. And just the grin on his face was just absolutely remarkable. It's good to see him happy because in the last couple of years, it hasn't always been the case. He's looked kind of strained and he's looked kind of that he's under the cosh a little bit. The first half so, today. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the first half today, he was like, you know, just really unsettled, as you would be with like the way the game had gone. But he looked frazzled. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was just getting out of control. Um, but... Obviously, it's half time, isn't it? That's when like we've calmed everything down, and he 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 said like that he showed the lads a couple of videos of incidents in the game and what we can do to get at them, and basically the players come out and said the same thing. It was like they said at half time, you know, we just got to stay in the game, don't concede another one, and there's something in this for us. So they obviously went out feeling like quite confident second half, and you saw that with the way we played. It was the shape was good, just the organisation. You know, they, I just felt like the second half was that's exactly what we needed in, in the circumstances. And um, they wanted, they clearly wanted players to keep the ball, didn't they? Control the ball. That's why you know Endo goes off. Yeah, we need Harvey, to talk Harvey about Harvey comes about in there. What, what and I just think it was about. Yeah, agreed. But I think, I, I mean, leaving Endo to one side, he wanted. You know, it was completely counterintuitive. There was a moment. I think I put it in the group chat. Look at the players that we've got and what positions they're playing at the moment. I think we had Quanser on. We had Harvey playing as a six. There was all kinds of madness so going Bosley on. So Bosley was, yeah. was a six as well. Like they had the, the two of them were, were playing like the holding midfield positions, weren't they? Yeah, they made it made sense. But yeah, go on, Dave. Back to you, about Endo. Um, yeah, I think with Endo, it's I'm, look. I'm reading nothing into this whatsoever. It doesn't mean anything in in terms of like anyone making any judgments of him now. It's like it's way too premature. Yeah, it's he could time. not have had like a, a trickier like situation the worst to come game into. To have at St James was that that I agree, Dave. It's like you, you know the way they are. It's like fever pitch, everything, isn't it? It's like and going know, down to ten again. Going down to ten, yeah. um, but you, you know just that like high energy style that they've got. You, you know. It's understandable, you, you know. It's not. It's not as though he's making his full debut home against I don't know Everton or someone like that. <laughs> uh, um, you, you know, he's uh, <laughs> had to get an Everton dig in yeah. there. But yeah, uh, Newcastle is probably the worst game to make your like your, your debut. City you, away. you know, your full debut. I think at, at St James's. I'd say other than even City, City I'm not too sure. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just think. Th- Mm. But either way, yeah, I mean, it wasn't an ideal game. No, it's tricky. Like, he's only been here five minutes. Yeah, that's it, Paul. Blood and thunder. That's exactly what I'm looking for, yeah. And it is a a difficult game at the best of times. And we go down to ten men. He's had to, like, move around different positions again. You know, it's not like he's just in a settled spot in a team with 11 players. You know, we're, we're having to change shape, bring people off, bring other players on, change things around. 
he didn't look great, didn't look comfortable, but again, I'm I'm not making any kind of judgments on him at all. Like he mm-hmm. wasn't good today, but I I feel like that's almost to be expected. It's like if he'd have been brilliant, that would have been oh well, that was that was a pleasant surprise. You know, I think what what we've seen today, I'm not surprised by that. I feel like it's understandable, mm-hmm. and yeah. things will get easier for him from now on. Um, and I do think he'll be a good player for us, but you know he's not going to be like a massive like he's not going to be he's not going to have a Fabinho like impact when Fabinho came. You know, like the first few years, he's not going to do that. But we just need him to just do what we bought him for. You know, just be like steady, solid, do the job. Yeah. And I think he will, but it may maybe it's going to take him a, a little bit of time to get up to speed. But just a, a quick point on you know uh, the system and that like and we're not convinced by it and we've all got doubts now I, I just think we're in for a bumpy ride for the next few months and hopefully yeah. at the end of that bumpy yeah. ride we're like okay this works we're, we're fine with it but it's not going to just click straight away there's going to be games where we look awful there's going to be games where like last week for example where we're not great but we've done enough to win and you think okay that that's all right and then hopefully we'll have games where it clicks and it looks brilliant but i do think it's going to be like very much up and down for like the next the next two three months. Do you, do you know what, mate? I totally agree with that, and I, I can I can I can buy into that. Briefly repeating my point from earlier, what frustrates me is that we haven't done all the business that we need. For yeah, all the I totally system. agree. So I'd be much more comfortable with the bumps on the bumps in the road if we had another left-sided sort of hybrid centre-back fullback, um, another midfielder who was multifunctional. We had somebody who could potentially come in and play right back, um, and we will see what happens. Mm. But that's my that's my real issue with the system. I can I can live with the bumps in the road, because I think we've got enough to. Not anyway with the fight back to where we were in 2020 with the centre halves or the way we were last midfielders. And I'm sick of all that. It's old news. You know we've got the money. Let's just do the business that we need to do. Why are we going into? The end of the window. We've gaps in the squad. It's not right. No, it's not. I do hope that we'll be back with another pod in in midweek because we've signed somebody and and we need to talk about it. Um, well, we're going to do it anyway. But, we'll do a window recap regardless, but hopefully yeah, okay. it'll be hopefully it'll be a positive one. That window recap is going to be a fucking misery fest if we don't sign anybody. <laughs> I don't think we should. Um, but anyway. I feel like, you know, you, you mentioned the bumps in the road there, but I feel like the, these first three games, we're in, a, we're in pretty good nick in terms of the amount of points that we've got on the board. So I, I think we just need to keep yeah. yeah trying to get as many points as, on the board as we can because, you know, just like it is going to be bumpy, but it's a lot more manageable when, you know, you are, you are getting wins and you're getting good results against teams in tough games like today. Obviously today is... We, I think 11 against 11, we'd have all been quite surprised if we'd have been pleasantly surprised with coming out with a, with a good win today, I think. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think we expected them to cause us a lot of problems and it was kind of one of them which could go either way. But down to 10 men and 1-0 down, winning from there is just incredible. Last week, I think that Chelsea point will look like a good, will be a good point for us. And we took care of business at home instead of Bournemouth, against Bournemouth. So we're doing what we need to do so yeah. far. And we're sitting third in the table after three games. We've got seven points on the board. We're undefeated. Yeah. You know, longest, it's, longest it's, unbeaten run in the league as well, isn't it? 13 games unbeaten. Better than anyone. Yeah, man. 
Gosh, I didn't even think of that. It's a, it's a bit un, it's a bit under the radar, that isn't it? When you think about how wobbly we all feel about what we're seeing. Yeah, thirteen yeah. games unbeaten, better than anyone in the league. It's best run in the league. That nice. All right. Do you guys want to touch on a little bit about the um, the Salah rumours this week and whether there's a link between this game in particular and the rumours that he's going to go and play in Saudi Arabia? Dave, what do you reckon? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just the Saudis just trying to unsettle us. Not specifically just because we're playing Newcastle, that obviously comes into it. I just think in general, and not even so much that they're trying to unsettle us, I just think they're trying to cause as much shit as they can. Just, you know, create unrest, get themselves linked with this player. They did exactly the same thing with the golf. I mean, I'm not going to go into that in too much detail because, like, no, please do shit. I know. I know. <laughs> but it was what happened was like they made the initial splash, they signed like a load of over the hill players, and then for like the next nine months or whatever it was, every week it'd be like, oh, John Rahm's going there this, this week, Victor Hovland's going. And it's like, no, they're not. We knew that they weren't going, but they were still putting out the stories that like these top players were signing for them, and then they'd sign some fucking nobody, and you know he was like hundred in the world or whatever. But they kept putting out these stories that all these top stars were joining when they didn't. You know they weren't going there, and that's just part of like the whole strategy because people are talking about it. That's what they're wanting. Like it's getting them. Like it's keeping them in the news. People are talking about it always. Oh, I mean, they actually one of their TV stations. I don't know if it's like a reputable TV station or what. No idea. They actually said this is his last game. He's got. He's flying out for a medical straight up after the game to Dubai, and he's he's joining Al whoever it is like next week. I'm like that's clearly bollocks because if that was happening, we wouldn't have picked him. We would not yeah. have picked him today if he was leaving this week because you don't do that if, like, if you've agreed that he's going for like 130 million, whatever the, the fee was that they're talking about. Why would we? If Mo wanted to go, and we'd be like, okay, he wants to go, fuck him, let's take the money, and he's going. Why would we pick him today? We just would not have done it. So it's clearly like that story that was on their their TV network was bullshit. But that's what happens. They'll pour out these rumors now. I think we all probably think at some point Mo's going to end up playing in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. I, it, nobody would be shocked by that. But I'd mm -hmm. be staggered if it happened now. And also, you, we cannot... Even if he comes to us now and says, actually, you know what, I do fancy this, I want to go. Be like, tough shit. You signed a contract, you wait until next year. You know, we, we cannot mm -hmm. sell him with like four days left in a window. Because we can't fucking buy players. We've had all summer and we've not been able to buy the players we wanted to get. What, we're suddenly going to be able to get deals done in four days to replace yeah. like, you know, our top goal scorer and like, you know, club legend. It's a tough one, total non starter. Mbappe. Oh, you should be saying that to Paul, not me. <laughs> No, no, no. no. That, that, Even I mean, Paul's no, given up on that. No, no. Jules, Jules, Jules made me see the light a while ago. He's a prick. You know what I mean? He's an mm, ego. But he'd be our prick. Uh, Mbappe or Jules? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mbappe would be to, to Liverpool or Jules is to the pod. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I think, um, f fuck all that shit from Jürgen about if a player doesn't want to be with us off, they can go, no. Mo is staying with us for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I think that would be a massive failure if we 
just I, I don't think it's going to happen by the way I don't think I think Mo's committed to this at least to this season if not the rest of his contract yeah. I could see him going next summer I don't think Mo's I think it's all bullshit I don't think Mo's going to go at all I think Mo's quite happy well his agent came out didn't Mo's agent said yeah. for all yeah. of the shit that we gave Mo's agent when he was haggling over the contract last year to be fair Mo's agent came out and said we're not doing this we signed a contract with Liverpool I mean, if we were planning I mean, to do this we wouldn't have signed a fair though, contract Chris, the flip side to that is he might not have heard the one and a half million pounds a week Offer at that stage, <laughs> yeah. you know what yeah, I mean. Right. Since but, then, they've tripled the offer. Yeah, so 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 you don't really know what the background is because anything is possible. With yeah, these but Lovren said it's yeah, bollocks. Just, right. Oh, so we're sound then. <laughs> but but I just think it's for me the main thing is, and I'm not averse to the idea. In fact, I'm not only am I not averse, I'm all in on the whole. What let's stop this bullshit of letting players wind down the contracts. I was seduced briefly, in fact, not even briefly, for a long time by this idea about this is the way Klopp galvanizes a squad. He makes a commitment to players, and that's part of the deal for how he makes it work in terms of his squad cohesion. Fuck that. We yeah. need to stop all that shit going on. If you go into the last year of your deal, you move on. And Klopp, need, Klopp is an outstanding communicator and leader and he needs to grow a pair and say to these players, and you don't need to be a prick about it the way you say it to him. You can just say, look, I'm sorry, that's the end of the line. We've loved having you with us. We need you to find another club. And ultimately, you know, you know, we need, we need a sporting director with the plums to say it anyway. Make it, a, make it a club decision. Make it a club policy. You know what I mean? If Klopp doesn't want to have that conversation, put it beyond him. But we need to stop all this crap of that we see players through to the end of the contract. It's a load of shit. But mm-hmm. let's say, we, I, I'm, I'm totally open to the idea that next summer, we might want to listen to, the, to a, you know, when Mo's 33, we might want to listen to, or 32, whatever he'll be, we want to listen to an offer like that. In fact, not just listen, we want to be taking it very, very seriously and saying, yes, yes, please, and taking that money to uh, Spend the to next reinvest. 12 months finding the replacement. About, yeah, and you know what? Here's, here's the <laughs> other thing true. as well. If, if that is the plan, if like they're thinking about that, what they need to be doing is signing the replacements in January, not Defo. waiting until we've got the mo cash. Because Defo. as soon as you, you do that deal, it wouldn't matter. We could get like a billion quid for Mo, and we wouldn't be any better off because all that would happen is like as soon as we go for a player, the price would be like tripled. And we'd end up, we either have to pay way, way, way over the odds for a player, or we walk away and say, no, we, we don't like that valuation. Yeah. And neither situation is good for us. But if you are thinking, He's going next year, and if you've spoke to Mo about it, and he said, "Look, you know, maybe next year I might, I might actually be up for doing that." You go, "Okay, that's fine. Let's just keep a lid on it. Doesn't need to be made like public or anything. We're going to mm-hmm. find your replacements, and we're going to bring him in before you leave, so we don't get ripped off on the fee." That's how you've. But got we have do. done that the last couple of years. With we brought well, Diaz in when we knew Sadio was going, and then we brought Gakpo in when we knew again when we weren't going to renew Bobby. So that that might be something to actually look out for. Is if we do sign somebody in January, that yeah. that might mean that the Mo is going. Yeah. So it's just maybe just want to keep an eye on there. Do you know the other factor there, Chris, as well? Just building on what Dave said, I'm absolutely convinced these Saudis are not going away, and they're not just going to be content with signing thirty-something players. You know, they've started to dip their toes into the sort of the tw- the twenty-six to thirty brackets. You know, they've got Mitrovic, they've got um, what's his face, Ruben Neves, and players like that. They're, it won't be long, it, either January or next summer, they'll be going for exactly the same players that we want. We need to be mm-hmm. getting our business done now and in, in January because they'll be coming after the same players, but they'll be offering them 10 times the money. Yeah. Yeah, worrying times. Um, just coming back to today's game, is there anything else, perhaps, John, that you want to add about today's game? Um, yeah, I mean, 
hopefully it's it's a kickstart or something for the rest of the season. It's a bit of a toughie on Saturday or Sunday, is it Villa next weekend? Sunday. So you know, hopefully the morale boost we'll get from that today will you know stand us in good stead because uh, you know that's not going to be an easy game against Villa. They're playing quite well at the moment, so. Um, yeah, that's that's all you can take from the game. You know, in that respect, Darwin's got to start, obviously. Um, yeah, got to. Uh, and yeah, Gomez centre back. And yeah, I think the rest of the team probably picks itself, doesn't it, at the moment? So um, yeah, th- that's it. Just hopefully take the three points against Villa at the weekend, and that is a really solid start to the season with all mm-hmm. the problems that we've had going into the um, international break after that. Yeah, that certainly would be nice. Dave, are you ready for the onslaught of time-wasting? Have you recovered enough from last time that you can face it again, do you think? Well, I've got my fingers crossed because that twat goalkeeper's injured. He didn't play this weekend. So I'm hoping hoping he's not back for next week. Because if he's not playing, even if the other goalkeeper time-wastes, it's not going to wind me up as much as when he does it. Because he just rubs (laughs) me up the wrong way. He's horrible. He's absolutely fucking horrible, that Martinez. So... Hopefully he doesn't play next week. And the key to it is to get in front. You get in front, yeah. then they're not going to time waste, are they? You know, cause they're, they're a good side. They're dangerous on the break. It'll be a tough game. But the last thing that we can afford to do is concede first. You know, that, imagine like you, you're playing Villa and we have the start that we had against Bournemouth. That that would just be like nightmare scenario. So yeah, we need a fast start. We need to get in front so they can't time waste. Can't do the shit hours and and hopefully get the win because if we get to the international break with 10 points from 12 looking at the fixtures that we've had and the turnover mm-hmm. of players and all the uncertainty over like different stuff that would be like you know that would be sensational it wouldn't yeah. make up for not signing any players but it would kind of make us feel a little bit better about the, the situation because there is a massive dark cloud over us because of transfers no doubt about mm-hmm. it there's a big question mark there. And this system, Dave, as well. This system. Yeah, but the system, I, I agree with that. But at least with the system, you think, well, in a few weeks' time, that might look completely different. You know, it might click. Everyone might no, just I meant, get I meant, used I meant, to it. I meant with the, with the transfers at the same time. I just feel there's gaps in the squad with the system that we haven't really addressed. Yeah, there is. There, there absolutely is. But, you know, if, if the players we've got stay fit, then we might, we might get away with it. That's the a problem you've, I know it is. It, it, it's not a risk that we should be taking, but I'm just looking at best case scenario. If we don't sign players, to me, it's like it's unforgivable. It's negligence, and you know it's just completely not acceptable in any way. But if that happens, then there's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is just hope that like we manage to just keep players fit and injuries don't derail us. Uh, and mm-hmm. if injuries do derail us, well, then we know where the blame lies. It's because we've not brought in the players that we needed to do. The, sh- the squad yeah. is like so short-handed. It really is. You know, we 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 lost six players and we brought in two. So it's yeah. it's not acceptable. But you know, we'll see what happens the next few days. We're going to do a pod yeah. on it. There's no point like delving into it too deeply now. We'll we'll just see what happens in the next four days, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it was good to see uh, Bashitic back on the bench again today as well. So. Like presumably he comes into contention for some for some time against Villa in that in that six perhaps and well, Tiago will be back he, for that as well. He's okay. Klopp said like full training for Tiago on Monday. Curtis nice. back full training Monday. Uh, not sure about Canate, but yeah, you'd imagine um, Curtis and Tiago both be available for that one. Good stuff. I mean, in, in I put Tiago straight for... back in. By the way, if he's fit. I mean, 
I mean, yeah. line up for next week, as far as I'm concerned, if we've got Allison in goal and we've got Darwin up front, just pick another nine, because we'll be sound <laughs> based on what we've seen today. <laughs> nice. I love that. Yeah, definitely. That's our two match winners right there anyway. Yeah. And everybody else was varying shades of not that good. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, just before we go, on a hunch, uh, Dave, are we going to sign anybody, do you think? And if so, where do you think it might be? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody on the forum posted like that. Um, one of the mates is a photographer. He does work for the club, and he's been like told three o'clock on Tuesday there's a job, you know, like a photo shoot or something. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's Mo's farewell video. <laughs> oh, fuck off! <laughs> like the, the old Hendo style like, video. Uh, or you know it could be anything it could be like a, a new training kit launch or whatever or maybe there's a, yeah. like a sign and penciled in who knows but my hunch would be yeah yeah, yeah. could be yeah. Uh, my hunch for that would be probably not no but if we did it would it should be a defender but I feel like if we do sign to someone it's going to be like Gravenberch or something like that mm-hmm. yeah I'm okay with that, having another midfield utility man in there. I don't want him because Brownie's all in on it. Like Brownie's going on about how we should sign him, and it's it's made me not want to sign him. <laughs> no, right, priorities in the right place. No, it's seriously the reason why I'm totally underwhelmed by by Gravenberch, and it's it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. But the reason is, when we first got linked to them, we were also like right in for Bellingham, and I was like, okay, so you get like the big money goes on Bellingham. Like the the player who's like he's kind of like a guaranteed home run, you know. There's not really a risk there. He's gonna be great. And then the fee they were talking was like 18 million or something at the time for Gravenberch. I'm like, I'd be all in on that. A project he may or may not work out. There's raw potential. Bring him in as long as you're getting like the Bellingham player, like that type of player as well. Then bring him in as a project. But like now I'm I'm like. I don't really want that, you know. I've just got totally gone against them because we didn't get Bellingham, so I don't want Gravenberch either now. Yeah, all right. As I say, it's irrational, but I'm just underwhelmed by it. And then Brownie constantly going on about how bossy is after seeing like 20 minutes of an under 21 game over the summer. That's like, (laughs) just (laughs) popped me right off as well. And the YouTube. Oh, yeah, the YouTube as well. Yeah, let's not forget that. Um, all right, good stuff. Well, hopefully we do sign someone. Um, Dave seems to think that we're going to be back with a pod regardless, a, a window pod, which could be just not a very happy one. But um, regardless, we'll be back during the week and on uh, after the game on Saturday, as, Sunday as well. When's so, the window? Uh, what, what day? It's, it's Friday, isn't it's it? It's the so? first, isn't it? Is it the first yeah. or is it the 31st? Yeah, that it's the first. It's, it's 11 o'clock on the first, so I think oh. that's Friday. That yeah. kind of fucks us up a little bit because we'd be having to put yeah. that out on the Saturday and then like the, the, the match pod on the Sunday. So, I don't know, we'll have to figure that out. But it's not going to be midweek because the window doesn't shut on right. Friday. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, fair enough. Anything else you guys want to add before we call it a night? Uh, no, no, I think that's it. Good stuff. All right, good work. Well, it's a bit of an up and down pod for us, really, this one, because it's, it's a stunning, unlikely, joyous win. But there's a lot of... A lot of stuff to unpack there as well, so I hope we've done a, a decent job I've, of I've got something making I want a fist to say. of it. I've got something I want to say. Go on. I was right. I told you so. I was right. My boy Darwin. <laughs> he's a peacock. You've he's got a to peacock. Let him fly, You've got to let him fly. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, so you've had the chippy on Sunday. You just keep reiterating that, okay? I'm just going to be Fla- holding Flap your wings when you see him, Dave. When you see Jill, start oh. flapping your arms. <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. strutting around outside the chippy like Ric Flair. When, you, when you're tucking into your chips and gravy on, on Sunday before the <laughs> match, yeah, you just make sure those chips taste extra, yeah. extra better than they ever do. Just let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice one, boys. Oh yeah, there's something else I want to say as well. Someone, um, someone, someone messaged me on Twitter before, and they just said, "Like, bet you wish you'd have kept that six foot fish tank now, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> nice one for the regulars there. Uh, yeah, we'll be back either before or just after Aston Villa. But until then, we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this it was really good